We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey guys, Andrew Claudio here with once again a quick programming note. This is a three-part extravaganza that you are about to hear. And if you're listening to this, this is episode one. So you're right at the very beginning. This is the Cabrino cap, the Donovan Mitchell gets traded plan. Um, Jeremy laid out some really good points and this is the first half of that conversation, John and Jeremy also started the show uh, clarifying um, who John may think uh, is the superstar or potential superstar that could become available sooner than 2025. Um, all that to say, this is part one of a three-part extravaganza. If you're listening to this, good job. You're at the very beginning. Um, I'm also going to say the end of this podcast and the day that you're listening to this, May 10th, 2022, is the one and only Jonathan Macri's birthday. So, while you're listening to this uh, safely, as long as you're not like driving or something, head on over to Twitter and wish John a happy birthday. Thank you for that. Okay, let's get into it. Cap or no cap, the Donovan Mitchell plan. Enjoy. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. My apologies to you that you exist in one of the universes where the Knicks did not make the playoffs this year. <laughs> and once again, stink. Uh, and you were here listening to us talk not about playoff basketball. No, no, no. But in fact, something, well, we'll find out because as is par for the course. I don't know what Jeremy has for us today, but I do know the most important part, which is we do have Jeremy with us. Jeremy Cohen. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, John. Doing all right. Excited to uh, watch more basketball after this. Hopefully the Rangers win. By the time people hear this, it'll either be uh, Pittsburgh up three games to one or the Rangers tying it two two. So fingers crossed that the Rangers can actually win this one. But no, we well, we know it's what's coming up in terms of today's cap or no cap. It's a certain star, not a superstar. Yes. Actual star. Big designation. Huge. Huge designation. <laughs> Big but week for stars versus superstars. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we will be talking all about that uh, in a spoiler filled like can't I can't emphasize this enough. Spoiler filled producer's corner. But uh, until get it then, out I, the way now, get it out the way now. If yes. you are listening to this, the end of the show, we're talking about Dr. Strange. Don't get mad at us now. Thank yeah. you, Jeremy. Anytime. Um, but, you know, we, we can talk about that angle, but I wanted to touch base with you on it because obviously since we last talked about the superstar star conversation, there have been games played and uh, let, me, me, let me stop you right there. Okay. Yes. Jalen Brunson is a superstar. Knew it. That's what I was going for. I needed you to say it, and I'm glad you did. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, is there anything else that, that every every Nick fan? I mean, look, if you're a Nick fan, you're you're as we've discussed in the past, you're probably a basketball fan in general. Like you're watching all these series, but the but the Dallas is kind of like, especially with the Frank stuff the other night. You know, it's like what Nick fan isn't watching every every Dallas uh, minute, at least as much as any other series. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly relevant, but it's fascinating too because I mean, all these games that we've talked about or just the players that they've had, you know, like you have a great game and this player's elite. You have a bad game. This player sucks. It's so up and down and it's hard to find some sort of like almost homeostasis in there. But what I wanted to ask you, cause I was listening to the podcast that you and Andrew were doing this past Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had mentioned how you, you see it differently in the sense of that a star under the age of 30 will make their way and not on an expiring contract will kind of force their way. And I don't fully maybe disagree. might, right. It might. Yeah, sure. Sure. Well, even let's operate on the idea that, that it, you know, what was essentially um, the procedural process gets upended and someone does it. What I wanted to ask you, because I know that also part of our debate was that mm-hmm. like, for you, they're superstars and they're like really the at most top eight. And then for us, it's maybe a little bit more than that, it might be a little bit more generous. Yeah. So what I what I wanted to know was who you had in mind who was a superstar uh and is going to move within the next couple of years and fits the requirement of like not, you know, like still below the age of 30 and has multiple years left. Um, that's a great question. Uh, and the, the obvious answer or the honest, honest slash obvious answer is, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I didn't have, I don't have someone in particular in mind of the players that we looked at now where I'm like, Oh, I think it's going to be Luca in terms of like players that we, you know, we, we peg now, or I think it's going to be Giannis, or I think it's going to be Embiid, um, or opening it up a little bit more to, and again, you, you allowed for this in your presentation, the fact that some players who we may not consider superstars right now, that designation may change in the next year to two years. And it may change before those players get to a year left on their uh, second contract, you know, before they turn 30, the whole thing. I just think it, it it's going it, to, it will happen at some point and it'll happen at some point in the next 10 years. If you're asking me to pick a name right now, who's going to do it? Um, the, I'm not saying he's going to do it to New, to New York. In fact, I don't think he's ever going to come to New York, but I think Luca, there's a good chance that he forces his way out of Dallas. Um, but I'll I'll go I'll go to the well I'll, I'll go Zion I, I don't think I I think Zion is going to get the superstar status and I think he's going to force his way out before he gets to uh, a year left on his contract before his thirtieth birthday. That's essentially the name I thought you were going for, but it was interesting just for me to hear based on what we had talked about, what you were talking about. So uh, didn't want to hold your feet to the fire, but I'm glad you could kind of confirm who yeah. you kind of feel will be in that case. So I do. Cool. I feel so, like I just got gotcha. No, you didn't. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. I'm not trying to play gotcha. It was more. We had had what I thought was a really great conversation. And I'm sure we'll have more of those conversations, uh, especially later on. Mm-hmm. But trying to kind of understand where your head was at, because I know the parameters you had were different and trying to then work within those confines of, OK, well, who, who might that player be or generally speaking and like how it might line up. Um because again, like the the struggle for me with Zion is obvious high ceiling talent. It's the availability factor of 85 games, three years. Can he stay healthy? Can he keep doing what he was doing? And I mean, but like what last, not this season, but the season before it was, didn't he go for 27 points per game? Not that that's like, he, yeah, he put up some all, ridiculous numbers. Yes. Just absurd stuff. So it was more like who we could find common ground or, or not even really, but just the idea of who that superstar might be and then understanding their situation and the contract, the contract stuff is going to be fascinating with him as you wrote in the newsletter too. Like the idea of David Griffin saying that it would be a challenge only implies that there are going to be restrictions in some way, whether it's uh, stopping short of a full max 
or doing a full max, but providing enough injury insurance in there that it basically renders a lot of it where Zion's not really making a max contract. Can I give you a, a little, some props here though? Um, so one of the great sports writers of our time, uh, Mark Berman uh, wrote uh, t- today. I saw something along <laughs> Andrew's face, right? That was fantastic. Wrote something today along, along the lines of like what, what has been intimated by many other NBA uh, media people at any number of times over the last year, which is that Donovan Mitchell is basically going to call the shots this summer. And like, if he wants a new coach, he's going to get a new coach. If he wants Rudy Gobert traded, he's going to get Rudy Gobert traded. Um, and I don't think any of us are in disagreement over the fact that Donovan Mitchell, you know, you could quibble. Uh, <laughs> not going to say it because I'm not gonna say it. we'll it, save quarter. <laughs> you you could quibble. Is he the 13th best player in the league? Is he the 15th best player in the league? Is he the 17th or 18th? whatever? He he's not in the superstar category. The fact that someone like him is wielding that kind of power, and it's that's just the latest example. I think to your point that you made. The, the the truth exists that if you are a good enough NBA player, you are the most other than the person who owns the team. You are you are the most you are the highest uh, on the totem pole in terms of you calling the shots. So while we have seen big trades in the past, as you went through, like there have been big trades. If it gets to a certain player, certain caliber, certain level, like. There is a reason that we haven't seen these trades yet. It's because if the player, like, unless the player is just like, there's just literally nothing you could do to appease me, which again, I think will happen at some point where a player is just like, I don't want to be here. I don't care who the fuck you fire and rehire. But like, owners will do everything in their power to make sure that players of this caliber, and again, Donovan Mitchell is not of the caliber of player we're talking about. You know, owners will keep them happy. They just will. They will. And I think the one potential obstacle that could get in the way of what you're suggesting is there will be a new CBA in the not too distant future. And we know how these markets, especially small markets are frustrated by their stars leaving. It's a non-negotiable issue for these, for these small markets. Even if it hasn't happened to them already, it's a non, you know, as well as I do, it'll be a non-negotiable issue. Yeah. And I'm sure for a lot of small markets, it's also like, if it can happen to them, it can happen to us. And if it can happen to us, we don't want that. And I get it, right? Like I am the type of person who will, for pretty much every single issue, side with the so players. Player empowerment, yeah. And I think that I would recommend it for all because that's just player empowerment is something. And we could get into this conversation, which I think dilutes the situation. It's like, oh, they're, they're multimillionaires and all this. And it has nothing to do with that. It just has something to do with unions and having the right to be able to advocate for the conditions that you want. And by enrolling in the draft, you're signing away your rights. I mean, I'm sure you know this regardless, but even coming from a law background where without the CBA, the draft would be illegal yes. because they enter yes. into it. And, and there's a players association and there's there, you know, the governors, uh, but then there's no one to really argue and advocate for the prospects because they're not in the NBA yet. So it's fascinating to me how they can go about that. But these players don't choose where they go more oftentimes than not. And then as a result, they're stuck in these markets and they can't typically leave unless things get really bad. And and even then it's difficult to do. But how the CBA will be enacted where there may be stipulations behind how and when players can move even though teams of course can trade players and they say it's a business and players do it back and it doesn't feel that way. It's going to be really fascinating to see if the NBA does force the NBPA and say, this is non-negotiable where you can get your money or you can make your choice to leave, but also not really giving them the option to leave because then that's less money that would be in the, in the pockets of the team. And two quick things on this one. If you're, if you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, small market organizations are not going to, are not going to fear that they they're 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 going to say like well we're not as poorly run as the Pelicans and like you know we've a better owner than you know Gail Benson or whatever go through the standings of of the NBA 
I'm not going to say every small market team has been touched by something of this nature already because they haven't all been, um, but they've had to, they've had like a lot of them have had dust ups, you know, they've had, they've had, you know, brush ups with this sort of thing. And if they haven't, you know, you want to give me Milwaukee, right? Like Giannis decided to stay, right? Great, great success story for a small market team. But like, if you're that owner, can't you shouldn't you just be like my god thank god Giannis is a kind of not to say a quirky dude but like or denver the denver ownership group and they had by the way they had bellow that didn't go the the yoke route like you you don't want to be sitting there and praying that like the superstar that you lend and and you luck luck into is of this kind of caliber that because it just comes down to chance. Um, and then the the only other thing I'll say is I and this it should be obvious at this point. I think the Simmons thing, if if this issue was on a cliff, I think the Simmons thing pushed it over the cliff. Because I mean, how how can owners look at the situation and be like, oh, this is fine? You know, say what you want about Ben Simmons and the, whatever he missed a three or didn't take a three foot jump shot or three foot uh, layup and this and that. Like that dude's still kind of took it to a place that it hasn't been taken to before. And what if the next guy, you know, is not someone who passes up, you know, three foot layup. Um, and it's someone that a team actually wants to keep. So we'll see. I think the one thing too, with that is a reason I'm speculating here, but I would imagine that Maury, Daryl Maury wanted to get a better talent regardless, but I wouldn't be surprised if the league maybe applied a little bit of pressure saying you have to consider the ramifications where if you sell low on Ben Simmons, the precedent that you have set is an awful one. And the end, right? I mean, Maury got what he wanted. He got James Harden. Credit to him. Um, He he got exactly what he needed out of the deal. And he was... Well, look at what he went through. Went through a lot. And and imagine if he didn't have Joel Embiid to like prop up the organization in the meantime, it could have torpedoed I would say torpedo the franchise, but it, you know could have done a lot worse. Hundred percent, and I think that's the key to all of this. Where it's like, yes, we did trade him, and he did put up a bit of a fight in terms of wanting to be here. But the reality is, we got we upgraded, and that's the way that they will try to probably set it up when it comes to negotiating and how you can the, the players. You mean the the NBA to the NBPA of like you know yeah. Ben Simmons wanted out, but we stood firm. And the only thing we tried to do it was we tried to assuage the situation as best we could, but also we needed to do what was right for us. And that was getting a better player that fits what we need in James Harden. Yeah, for sure. So in the meantime, we can talk about someone where uh, the runner up, right? To the rookie of the year that Ben Simmons actually won, which was hotly contested. (laughs) Robbed, yes. He was robbed. Not a real rookie. Uh, in Before we get to him, <laughs> give me a ch- give percentage chance Donovan Mitchell ever becomes a superstar in your in your eyes. Well, we'll all three of us could could answer this. Considering how I said the gap between superstar and star is bigger than star and yeah. starter, yeah. He exceptional player, but I'm going to go ten percent. Oh wow! And that so, might honestly be on the. The higher end, and again, why, it's not. It's not disrespect. I don't mean why, it. Why do you? Why do you hate him? Why do I hate, hate Donovan, Donovan Mitchell? Mitchell? Yeah, a- a- Andrew, why do you hate Donovan Mitchell? I don't hate Donovan Mitchell. I have always leaned Devin Booker in the shooting guard uh, rankings, but you've been consistent um, on that. By the way, I think, I think the. But here's the thing is like your market does play a part in this. Some superstars are able to transcend market. I think this is where John would say, if you're a true superstar, you would transcend market. I think there is a world where if Mitchell is here and having the seasons that he's having in Utah and he's doing it in New York City, um, that will treat him like a superstar and he'll get like MVP votes and second team all NBA consideration. So all of that banter to say that I'll give it like 25%. Now, here's the thing. Do you like, do we, would he actually be a superstar? Would he be considered a superstar? I think are two different conversations. I'm going to go closer to Jeremy here. I'm going to go 15%. So we split the baby here. Yeah. We split the baby. I, I, I think- this? I'll go 20 to make it. So it's 10, 15, 20. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. It makes fair. me feel better. Yeah. Okay. So we, we got a, you're saying we got a chance. 
<laughs> Works. <laughs> Something. Or as the conversation led to that Jeremy brought up, this is the conversation led to the other day, John, you don't need necessarily a superstar to win a championship. You need a well-constructed roster that can be led by two stars. Yes, it's tougher. It's a lot tougher it is. to do it that way. But it's it it, it the NBA history says that it's possible. We we should we just say that. Definitely possible. Hundred yeah. percent possible. Okay. So uh, without further ado, Jeremy. Without further ado, we have Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Tangled webs we weave. See, if I had connected the dots, I could have done a Spider-Man theme because it's great. and Marvel, but uh, I didn't. So we'll have to just live with the emojis of spiders and webs. I do want to preface one thing really quickly, especially if you are listening to this and not watching it because of the fact that Donovan Mitchell is already under contract. This isn't going to be like a super cap heavy pot. So I, I also wanted to give people a little bit of a break. I know we've kind of been super high level in terms of the configurations and what's possible. Um, almost Doctor Strange style. I, I was about to say, yeah. But in this sense, it's it's much more manageable just based on that there are, in my opinion, more knowns because of the finances already being settled. I like the spider... But emoji? No, those aren't emojis. No, they're Spider. emojis. They are. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice emojis. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know why I'm taking credit for them. I didn't create them, but I added them. So you're welcome. So I, let's get into the good stuff, right? Because I feel like one of the things that happens with a lot of these conversations is when we don't like someone, we just harp on the negatives. When we do love someone, we disregard the negatives and focus on the positives. So even though Donovan Mitchell had a very rough postseason, probably the roughest, arguably the roughest of anyone. Um, although maybe there's anyone else that you have in mind. If so, speak now, forever hold your peace. I, I'm a, I was about to pull up his stats for, for this postseason because I think um, it's tempting to gloss over like the fact that, you know, a guy may not be terribly efficient, which Donovan Mitchell was not this postseason. It's tempting to gloss over the stuff that he did do and, um, at the same time, like it's not easy to do the do the things that that he did in what is I think everybody would agree a poor postseason um, for him at least. You know, like this is still a guy who um, here I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I, I'm, I'm going to guess that he averaged 28 points a game in this postseason. Um, I think it was less. Yeah. It was a little bit less, 25 and a half, excuse me. I was, I was a little, high. but still, as of right now, sick, uh, ninth leading scorer by average um, in the postseason with almost six assists. So, like, again, this is a guy we're talking about had a, had a bad postseason. Compare those, you know, counting stats to Julius Randle last, uh, last year. Exactly. Very big difference. And so, you know, what does Donovan Mitchell do well? Well, he's elite as a pick and roll ball handler. I think in terms of the top five qualified players, I want to say he ranked uh, third, fifth. He was up. Sounds about right. He was just phenomenal. Uh, and his playmaking really did well on the half court. You know, I mean, even though he's used as a combo guard and he's on the shorter side and maybe shouldn't be a shooting guard, uh, he still took strides and grew his game. Because again, like a lot of these players, there is room for growth. They're not exactly who they are at the ages that they are, and they're locked in that forever. Uh, and he is overall a very efficient player. Like this year, he struggled a bit more than in years past. And he, he, I mean, the improvements he made around the rim and in the mid-range, phenomenal. As usual, draws a ton of fouls. Really good pull-up shooter, which we know that the Knicks certainly like in players specifically in the backcourt and potentially at the three as well to be determined. And um, you know, he's just a relentless driver, and he's a really good finisher. And those are all the key aspects of why you would want a player like him and why he's so tantalizing for many. I think the, the other thing to throw, throw in there and you, um, you kind of intimated this with, with the way you talked about some of this stuff. There's only one player that could be in the hundredth percentile in usage rate for a position, um, at least according to cleaning the glass and for combo guards, that's Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he has a, a, a year after he had a 35 usage rate of his last season, this past season, he had a 34 and a half usage rate. So you might be asking like, well, why do I care about usage rate? If anything, you could look at that as a detriment. Like this is a guy who 
was probably a little bit too selfish. That's fine. You could look at that this way. And again, I don't sit here and watch every Utah game like none of us do. And if you do, like more credit to you. But I think there was, you know, there was a bit of a, a dearth of, of playmaking um, on Utah. And also, like, this is how they ran their offense. Like, it's just, you know, spread, pick and roll. It's all it was spread, pick and roll with Rudy as the, as the, as the guy in the Ducker spot or, or, you know, Hassan Whiteside, if, if Rudy Gobert was sitting. So like, this is what they asked him to do. And he did it. He did it more as much as anyone in the league. Uh, again, going back to the well again and again and again and again. And it's just an interesting, it's an interesting discussion because like Quinn Snyder gets this, has this reputation, probably justifiably. So as a guy who runs this more, like a, a more sophisticated offense, you know, and at the same time, like they leaned on the talents of Donovan Mitchell and, and Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley a lot. Uh, and they just needed those guys to, to especially Donovan Mitchell. So I, I think that that's notable. I think we should at least throw that in there. hundred percent. Great points. Completely agree. Um, and then to look at kind of where the not so good stuff is, right. He's a smaller guard. Uh, He's got a great wingspan, which is super important and also kind of factors into the being a low effort defender makes it even more disappointing. You know, is it kind of like, is he checked out? Um, if so, why? What is he able to do to impact the game on the defensive end if he's not going to be anything more than a traffic cone with his hands down? Because there were some possessions where he didn't even lift his arms. And you're like, again, if, if that's your best tool from a defensive standpoint, why wouldn't you use them? And it's kind of trying to get into the mindset of why that might be the case. Um, this year, he was really bad in the catch and shoot. I mean, it was just disgustingly bad. And I think that led to a lot of other problems down the line because as the season progressed, he, he his shot struggled. And then, you know, he's relatively healthy. He's 25 years old, turning 26. But I think some things to consider, he has had some ankle injuries that he's generally been fine with, but Honestly, the thing that concerns me with Donovan Mitchell is he has a repeated history with concussions. And at a certain point, you hope that it doesn't catch up with him. It's obviously very concerning to have any sort of um, brain issues whatsoever. So it's just something to keep in mind. I don't know if it's necessarily... You, you don't say, oh, well, because he had some concussions, we shouldn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. But it is, in my opinion more of a minor factor in terms of the the ceiling that he can reach or, and what he can do, but a factor nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, you throw it in there. Um, I just, the defense stuff is interesting to me because like, I distinctly remember pre-draft. This is a guy who was looked at as a defense first player. Like all of the questions about him were surrounding his offense. Not his defense. Uh, so the fact that he's, it actually reminds me a lot of, of Carl Anthony Towns. Like, remember Towns pre-draft was seen as a guy who was like, like we, we thought, like people thought like his offense would come around and like the, the makings were there. But this was a dude who was seen as like a, a, a going to be a good, de- a good defender at the very least, maybe not a great one, but a good defender. Like I thought Donovan Mitchell, the defensive ceiling was even higher. Like he was a, he was a dog man at Louisville. I remember that distinctly. And um, for him to come in and, and now be such a minus after what is it? Five years in the league. You know, I don't know what that says about him, but it's, 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 it should be noted at the very least. Yeah. It was the reverse. He was supposed to be the defensive minded guy with the great wingspan. And the shot was the question. I think he just didn't shoot it super well at Louisville. And there was a reason why I know, folks often might kind of revise history of the Knicks and Frank Nielakina and the draft selection, all that. But it was really Frank, Dennis Smith Jr. and Malik Monk. And then they were trying to get another pick in order to take Donovan Mitchell, but he was not really a priority. And the oversight, yes, obviously that, that in itself is a problem if you can't even see why Donovan Mitchell is that promising. But um Hindsight's 2020. And there's yeah. a reason why after Donovan Mitchell's workout in Utah, who traded up to acquire him, they basically said, if any, if any of you leak this workout, <laughs> you're that's going great. to be fired because that's yeah. how much they believed in him. Yeah. Sure enough. Good and job I, by them. They did. And I, I seem to recall that 
one of the key reasons why they got the workout was because of Walt Perrin pushing for it. I think that was the reason why, but um, regardless, he was a member. He is and was a member of the Utah Jazz. So for how much longer, we shall see. Hey guys, quick. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Great to tell you about our new sponsor, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences or skip a week whenever you need. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with larger box sizes for more servings and more savings. HelloFresh also offers convenient, contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make, with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh is 30% cheaper than shopping at your local grocery store. Plus, you skip the checkout lines. Try our quick and easy meals, which include 15 to 20 minute dinners, breakfast on the go, and 10 minute lunches in HelloFresh Market. Perfect for your busy schedule. Enjoy restaurant quality meals for less in the comfort of your own home. HelloFresh's gourmet recipes like balsamic fig sirloin are over 72% cheaper than an average restaurant meal. Look, guys, I don't have to tell you how busy I can be with all the work I do for Nick's Film School, as well as my show Final Review. My fiance is just as busy, and when that question comes up every night, what do you want for dinner, rarely do we both have answers. Well, we've actually been customers of HelloFresh for over a year, and we're thrilled when we found out about the sponsorship. Not only is the food delicious, but it's convenient to make and takes away that simple anxiety of what you're going to have for dinner that night. They send you a week's worth of meals, you cook them, you prepare them, you eat them, and 
then by the weekend, a new box for the following week shows up. It's that simple. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool16 and use promo code FilmSchool16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Yes. So this was a something I found on Twitter. Whoa! Franco had a really fascinating graph here. Can I say what this reminds me of? If you're not watching on Twitter, I'm looking at something that reminds me of the. Actually, you you don't need to see the program, the Loki show, where the yes. where the timelines, yeah, go yeah, off a lot the of different domain. So, yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of squiggly lines on a graph. That's all. exactly. So, basically, what you are seeing is uh, it's the jazz is three point percentage by time uh, and the scoring probability as it goes on. So uh, this was, uh, I don't know if I said it or not, it's Franco on Twitter came up with this and what it shows is um, the top one is Mike Conley. And it's kind of like a parabola where he essentially started off really well and then dipped and then ended up in a really good spot. And then you got, well, I'll skip that one because it's, it's relevant, but um, you have the team as a whole where they start off pretty well and then dropped off. Boyan Bogdanovich started kind of slow and then did really well and then <laughs> finished around where he started off, which was just very meh. And then I believe that's Jordan Clarkson, yep. who started a little late due to injury. And then when he did start and play, or rather when he played, because he came off the bench, he pretty much hovered around where he was, give or take. But the so really fascinating one... So the takeaway here is Bogdan, Jordan Clarkson, and Mike Connolly all start or all finished the year essentially where they started in terms of uh, their three per, three point percentage over the course of the year. Exactly, and then you get Donovan Mitchell, who started above forty percent from a scoring probability standpoint, and it just looks like a ski slope down a mountain, and he finished below thirty. That probably is bordering on closer to. 26%. Um, and that showed in a lot of ways in the playoffs. You know, I mean, he is someone who typically kind of turns it on, so to speak, when it gets to playoff time, but it just, it's bad. His shooting torpedoed. And if you're not going to be a superstar on offense and you're not going to be a positive on defense, where does that leave you? What type of player are you going to be in terms of winning when it matters? Because we can talk about the 82 games and how important those are, but they also all lead up to the 16 games or 16 wins that you hope to have in the postseason, And only one team is going to be able to do that. Yeah. And the, you know, the interesting thing here is I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what conclusions you could draw going back and looking at his, his playoff history. Thus far, um, I mean, he kind of burst onto the scene back in 2018. Famously, you know, kind of it's been it's been said by some that like his relentless or the Jazz's relentless um, hunting of Carmelo Anthony was part of the contribution for Melo, like basically not having a job in the league for the better part of a year. Um, but like that first that very first series against OKC, he shot 36 percent. From three in that series, he took Mitchell shot uh, 44% or excuse me, took 44 threes over the course of that first round series in six games, shot 36%. The next series against Houston, he shot 25% on threes. He shot nine for 36. Okay, fine. The next year, faced Houston again, again, 25% on threes. Next year after that was the famous series against Denver, which Donovan, I think he put up 50 at least once, maybe more than once. I'm forgetting, but like he was. Absolutely on fire. He shot 51% from deep in that series. Um, and unfortunately, they lost. And then last year, again, it was more of a high. He shot 40% against um, Memphis in the first round. And then 45% from deep, again, against the Clippers in the second round. And then this year, 20% from three. So, like, I don't, I don't really know what you do with that career arc from three so far through five seasons. I mean, it's... It's inconsistent. I, I don't know what conclusion to draw from it, though. Yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. It's probably just hoping to pair him with someone who's better than him and then giving him more opportunities 
But even still, if he can't hit the catch and shoot shots, like if he can't spot up well, that's not going to help you either. And then like, I don't know how many players are going on, on defense are going to ignore Donovan Mitchell or ice him out. But at a certain point, if a guy's not feeling it, like, you know, does that play into how you're doing? Do you maybe do you focus your attentions elsewhere? How does that help with Donovan Mitchell? If he's getting played off the floor defensively, but can stay on it offensively, but he's not producing the offense. Where does that leave you? I also wonder how much shot selection goes into, goes into this. And like, you know, was there a certain amount of settling going on? Um, I feel like, I feel like watching jazz games and like listening to the jazz commentators on, on some of these games, you know, you, you, you got a sense that like, when these leads would start to slip away in these games this year, because jazz famously blew more leads, more big leads than the Knicks this season, which might seem unfathomable, (laughs) but they did. Um, And a lot of that was like, yeah, they let teams creep back in because they would just, I don't say take their foot off the gas, but they, they wouldn't have that extra gear to like dig in and like get some tough points when they really needed it. How much of that was Donovan Mitchell just, you know, taking some bad threes when, when the situation didn't warrant it. I don't know. Um, and, and I don't know that we're going to find out the answer to that until he maybe gets a new home, but we'll, or, or things change in Utah. Absolutely. So in terms of his contract, while he is still in Utah at the moment, he's got three years of team control left. He has a player option in 2025, which would be the fourth year. Um, as we've discussed, he's going to decline that. And the reason, because that's number one, why would you not, unless it's, I mean, like, again, there's, there's really no reason for him not to unless he gets hurt, which knock on wood does not happen. Or uh, he just gets a new contract when the salary cap spikes and makes himself quite a lot of money and good for him as he is deserving of it. This upcoming year, uh, it's $30.4 million that he's owed. The following year is $32.6 million, And the year after that is $34.8 million. Again, there's a 2025 player option that we mentioned. And there is a 15% trade kicker. So if you're thinking like, oh, Julius Randle, he's got a trade kicker. Donovan Mitchell, he's got a trade kicker. And you feel like, oh, maybe the Knicks could do something with those players. Congratulations. Even though they could both waive it, it's still... One could wave it, that being Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle keeps his, so the math works. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Point being, um, he also has a trade kicker. Congratulations. So, it brings up the question, though, John. Uh, why yes. would Utah want to trade Donovan Mitchell right now? Why, why would they want to, or why would they? I mean, both. It's, you, could, you could separate it, but let's say, why would they? Not why would they pre- want to. It's pretty clear they don't want to. Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing that a lot of fans forget about is that the NBA and the teams involved in the NBA know that first and foremost, it is a business. Let's say the, you know, that the jazz ship out Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Uh, Who are they marketing? Who are they telling season ticket holders? Who are they telling fans to buy jerseys of? Like, I, don't know. I think factors, I think Julius Randle would look good in that that multi-toned rock, rock mustard rock jersey, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. oh no, I forgot that they're going they, to this new look. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, again, it's like you want to sell team, you want to sell fans on competition, and there are some teams like Charlotte that don't care as much about talent. They care about talent, but they also care about their bottom line, avoiding. Costs working with a, a budget, a fixed one at that. And I think that's something that people need to consider, especially in terms of prying that player away. Where if you're someone like Ryan Smith, who owns the Utah Jazz, and you might see the writing on the wall, but you also know that you can stand to make more money in the next couple of years and you keep Donovan Mitchell than trading him away and dealing with uncertainty and the draft and all of it leading up to that point. You may just say, even if Donovan Mitchell wants to go, I would like to keep him. And at the end of the day, we as the team, yes, this is a player-driven league, star-driven league especially, but we as a team will dictate, Donovan, we don't want to trade you. And you're going to have to keep playing here. It's a slippery slope of, you know, two, two, not teams, but like two different groups of people that feel like they have the leverage over the other. I, I think, you know, we're going to touch on this issue with a couple of their points here, but like, 
keep in mind this guy, Ryan Smith, um, who's not a, a older owner. He's a, a, I don't know if he's the youngest NBA owner, but he's on the younger side, right? Um, he just bought this team. He bought this team within the last couple of years. Like, <laughs> I, it's, it's not an accident that like one of his first acts acts upon buying the team was getting Dwayne Wade, who among recently retired or, or, or relatively recently retired NBA players. Is there a, is there a guy who, you know, players look up to more than Dwayne Wade? I mean, um, I don't know. There's not one, or at, at least someone who is like still like present and kind of around the league. Like he's up there. So he, he just got this team with, you know, one of the, one of the young stars in the league leading the way brought in, brought in like everything has been geared. I think towards like, I, 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 I have this guy here. I'm buying the team in part because there is this guy here and I want to keep this guy here. And I think Wade was part of that and the whole thing, um, which leads to the next part of it, which is like, there's a reason you go out of your way to try to keep this guy because you don't quit on talent. Exactly. I hate that I use Dave Gettleman to bring a point home because <laughs> your boy, you uh, no longer my boy, no longer, fortunately. But yeah, you don't quit on talent. You don't let it go. And the one thing I'll add to the whole Ryan Smith situation. Uh, well, first of all, he, I guess two things. Number one, he was involved with, I believe it was Qualtrics. Yes. Which is um, incredibly lucrative. I think he's worth over $8 billion. So if the concern is luxury taxes and he sees this as a business, but also as a toy, then maybe he just doesn't really care as much and he could spend more. The second thing, and I think this honestly might be the most important factor of anything that the Jazz do between now and whenever Donovan Mitchell's likely slash inevitably traded, he grew up a Utah Jazz fan. It's more than just purchasing a team and, you know, like A-Rod is buying the Timberwolves. He has no connection to Minnesota. He's just one of a group of investors uh, and that, that entity, there are only 30 possible teams to be purchased. And it's really hard to buy one unless you have an expansion, which the bid is outrageous. But for someone like Ryan Smith, it's not just professional and in business, it's personal and he's going to do everything he can to help satisfy what he wants. So not quitting on talent is important unless of course, and we'll talk about the other player in a moment, but uh, they decided to, do things differently, but it's also easy to forget, even with the jazz, not being able to take that next step. I mean, they've had the best offense in the NBA last year and the top 10 yeah. offense, a top 10 offense for three straight seasons for fourth, the prior year. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, first this year, that's like, that's good. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's really- and it's not something you just throw away. No. And, and they shouldn't, honestly, there are adjustments they can make that fortify the team, but you know, that's, it's something to consider. And then you're talking about business. I mean, the all-star game is going to be in Utah in 2023, assuming that the uh, anti-transgender bill uh, doesn't impact them. Um, I know it it affected the all-star game in Charlotte. Honestly, just personally, hopefully they retract it because it's disgusting and Utah also gets threatened and they're able to do something about it. But uh, politics for the moment aside, if it is going to be there, then you're going to want to retain your best player and have him represent your home team. Because the thought of trading Donovan Mitchell and then he winds up back in your building and it's for the all-star game and he's wearing a different jersey. I mean, that's rough, especially if there's a situation where let's say he's traded to another team and that team has not made its trip to Utah yet. And his return in Salt Lake City for any game is the all-star game. It feels like that's the entire narrative of that weekend. It's not going to be like, look at this fun event that we've had in Salt Lake City. It's going to be Donovan Mitchell was in your building and now he's not, but he is again, but he's with another team for the All-Star Game, which names the best players in the NBA, even though it's also a popularity contest and you guys let him go. Yeah, you got something back for him. You got a great haul, but why? And if you don't think you'd be going for the MVP in that game, uh, I got news for you. And, And like... I think someone I'm sure this has been said already. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that that shouldn't be dictating thinking again. These are 
multi, multi billionaires. Like the things that drive us or the things that we think should drive them, just throw it out the window. It's like, this is a toy for this man. Like this is a plaything. He does not like, he doesn't want to, to have the thing that he acquired for enjoyment purposes be thrown back in his face. They're like, Oh, look how you screwed this up. You know, it, it matters. It does. And, you know, if you're trading Donovan Mitchell, what are you getting back? If you're Utah, no. you want a star in return. And when you look at the market, not of superstars, but just stars, it doesn't seem nearly as beneficial or um, as fruitful, I guess, as it might be in a couple of years. And that's important because yeah, you could take a swing on a bunch of draft picks, but it sucks rebuilding. You all you have to look forward to in a lot of ways is the draft. And sure, you can say, like, oh, well, we've got these young talent. And it's basically just potential being used to make you feel better about the situation you're currently in, which is bleak. And it's hard to sometimes come back from multiple years of tanking. Sure, tanking can lead to wins, and you can like we're seeing in a place like Philadelphia, and maybe they pull it off and get to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since Alan Iverson did it. But you also lose a lot of not just the revenue, but kind of the goodwill that you've built up with the fans, especially if that's the only team in that market. And outside of the MLS, it is. It's the only professional team. So just real quick on this, and you're, I know you're about to get the last point, which is the value of Rudy Gobert. Um, and many other people have posited the notion of like, well, if you're going to trade one, trade them both. Um, and maybe they, maybe they, they can do that. Maybe they can just, you know, clean house. Um, if they trade Donovan Mitchell, almost regardless of what they get back for him, and they keep Rudy Obear and they keep the rest of the team as is, they are not going to tank. And then I think there's a whole discussion about like how they pivot from Mitchell if they're not pivoting into a tank, which we don't really need to get into. But like, if you're like, well, no, th then they should just trade both. Okay, well, then you got to trade both guys in trades that return essentially nothing but like salary flotsam and and picks, which easier said than done. Um, but, but put that aside, just this is not something. And again, it's a new owner. I get like maybe he does. He he'll just he doesn't care about like jazz precedent. And that may be true. I would say other than. Indiana, is there a team that has less history of of, of uh, tanking uh, or, or no, forget? Don't even call it tanking. Just like losing. Like there's an organization that does not give into losing. They have never done it. Um, if you go back and look through their history, they have one really terrible season to their credit, or no. Two, excuse me, two terrible seasons to their credit. 2013 14, they finished 25 and 57. Um, I'm pretty sure that was before they got uh, Dante Exum. And then in 2004, 2005, they finished 26 and 56. Um, but, you know, you go back and like you have to go pre Stockton Malone to find, you know, another season that was really bad. Exactly. And I'm, I am trying to kind of like, think about teams in the NBA, especially that are smaller market that maintained winning, even if they weren't a contender, but just put a them in the Pacers. Product. Yeah. No, I, I honestly don't. I, don't I mean, you want to tell me the Spurs, but like the Spurs also had two of the greatest players of all time. You know, throw Kawhi in there if you want, like on their roster for the last you know thirty plus years. And how did they get Tim Duncan? They shut down. <laughs> they tanked. They Robinson. selectively tanked, and they <laughs> got what they need. I mean, Tim yeah. Duncan could have been a Celtic for his entire career. Fortunately, he was not. But like that's how close it could have come to in terms of the lottery luck. There was no guarantee, and if the Spurs don't get him, I mean, we're not looking at them as a model franchise. We're looking at them as a team that's good, but maybe it doesn't get there just because they don't have the top end talent. So yeah, it is very difficult to repeatedly put quality on the floor. And, you know, it's also where you find talent. Like they, they got Donovan Mitchell, the 13th pick. They got Rudy Gobert at the 27th pick. Yeah. Um, Royce O'Neal was international for a while and he was undrafted. Joe Ingles, same thing. Undrafted, uh, in fact, yeah. a lot of their, their, Darren Williams was a good pick and he was successful, but then obviously 
flamed out and wasn't the player that they wanted to be. And they, they did pass on Chris Paul hundred percent, but it's almost like you look at their top picks and they didn't hit on those quite as well as they did with their lower picks, which I don't want to say that's fitting because the Knicks, the highest pick that they had, they have had with Walt Perrin here has been eighth and OB seems to at least be on the upswing, which is great. But, um, there have been some misses they, they, I mean, that Utah has had in that top range. And it goes back to the draft is a crapshoot, but they found success in Rudy Gobert. And I still maintain that there will be enough teams, again, as we've talked about, only takes two to create a bidding war. Like you're telling me that there aren't two teams that look at the scope of the league and players who are likely on the trade block and saying, like, yeah, Rudy Gobert is exactly what we need. Oh. He won't cost. He won't cost the house. He'll, like, I, I still go back to see the Atlanta idea. He'll like, get. Some, he'll get good stuff. Yeah, yeah, like Capella and Herder and the first round pick, or or you know, you trade him. I don't know. Like Chicago seems to like. I, I don't know about liking Vooch, but maybe they want to prioritize spacing at the five, and maybe Gobert wouldn't fit there. But if they change their minds, like they have salary to do it and get it done, they can clear things away. So there are teams that can do it. It's just like Rudy's so good defensively that there's going to then be a drop off on defense, most likely, which will further expose Donovan Mitchell. Unless what the Jazz do is get enough players back where they spread it out and they diversify it. So they maybe they get a good defensive center, which I would imagine they would. And then maybe they get they turn around and get someone who's, you know, better on the wing defending wise. So they can do they can be creative here, but that's the whole point. They're going to have Donovan Mitchell calling the shots and they know no stars are coming to Utah. It's just not a place you go to. And by doing that, Donovan then feels more involved. And the nice thing for him is if it works out, then you can reassess. And if it doesn't work out, you can wipe your hands clean and just go to the next city because you could say, well, we tried guys. Uh, didn't work out, but it was fun while it lasted. I think the the takeaway here is like, if um, and I don't know if it, how many people listening to this right now are, are doing this, but if you don't, don't, this is not the thing to think about where you're like, well, the Jazz have it's door A and door B, and door A is they trade Donovan Mitchell, and door B is they don't trade Donovan Mitchell, and they're sitting right now and they're trying to think about like which of those two things to do, and maybe Donovan Mitchell forces their hand and they and they choose the you know the door that involves trading him. This is like. There's doors, you know, like one through 10 and Donovan Mitchell trading Donovan Mitchell for the jazz is door 10 unequivocally. It is door 10 and they're going to open each of the first nine doors, walk through, look around, see what's there. And if there's like no answers in there, then they're going to go to the next door and then they're going to go to the next door and so on and so forth until they literally have no other options. This is not something the jazz are affirmatively going to do for all the reasons you just listed. And probably a few more that we're not even thinking of. Um, I, I think that's the main takeaway. So for anybody who's like, you know, Oh, the Knicks just need to get this done. This isn't a thing. The Knicks could get done. The, the ball is still in Utah's court. Very, I mean, Donovan can push their hand a little bit, and I'm sure he will, but that may result in other things happening, not involving Donovan Mitchell playing on a new team. Yeah, and this is something I hadn't considered before, but you talking about actually prompted it where, and I know we've, we have discussed this, but like there's good pressure and there's bad pressure. Sure. And yeah, there's, 100%. sure, for Utah, there's some bad pressure because it's a ticking clock and you need to really be proactive, but it's also good in the sense that this forces you to make a change. And sometimes you need change in order to grow. And, you know, I don't know if they'll find the right talent that gets them the contending status. I'm, I'm skeptical, but at least if you say, well, we need to do something different, not completely, but just enough. So where we break this, this partnership up and we, you know, try to find other talent, see which way we don't have a lot of assets at our disposal, but use up the ones we do. And we have to figure out what's, you know, crossing that bridge later. We'll do that later. It helps them. It's, it's something that at least guides them in the right direction, at least from their vantage point. Yeah, for sure. 